So before we get started on this week's episode of Three Wide, let me tell you about our presenting sponsor, Hunter Harvest. Now, Hunter Harvest is back with us for our second season here at Three Wide. And right now, if you head over to HunterHarvest.com, you can check out their new Spring 2023 selection, where they have plenty of design choices for turkey hunting, as well as different types of fishing. Also, they still have that mystery box special going on where you can get three shirts chosen at random sent to you for just $33. And with the high quality shirts you're getting at $11 a piece, you can't find that kind of deal anywhere else. So head on over to hunttoharvest.com where you can update or upgrade your hunting apparel. And when you go to check out, be sure to enter that promo code RADNEY18923. That's R-A-D-N-E-Y-18923 to get even more savings at checkout at hunttoharvest.com. Hey everyone, welcome to another week of Three Wide, where this week we're going to do things a little bit different. Uh, it's going to be a much more condensed episode due to some scheduling conflicts, but we still got plenty to go over. From Jeb Burton getting his second career victory, the first for Jordan Anderson Racing, as well as Kyle Busch's overtime victory after Bubba Wallace has spun but while blocking Ryan Blaney. We'll go over that incident, as well as the big crash from Ryan Priest, and plenty more to talk about, so let's get started. All right, so this week's episode is going to be a little bit different than we're normally used to. Uh, schedule's a little bit tighter this week. Normally, I like to try and break it down each series uh, segment by segment, but we're just going to run straight through this week. A couple topics I want to talk on in each race. Uh, starting off with the Xfinity Series race on Saturday, you had Jeb Burton get his second career win, the first win for Jordan Anderson Racing, and what was a, a solid day for the team overall Jeb, he finished fourth in stage one, and he won stage two. So he comes away with six playoff points. And Parker Retzloff, he comes away with a seventh-place finish. So both JAR cars finishing in the top ten. Sheldon Creed finished in second, another strong run for him. And Parker Kligerman in third, continuing to have a, a pretty solid year as well. With, with a couple of the bigger accidents we had, which we'll get to here in a second, we had a lot of solid finishes by... Back, you know, I want to say backmarker teams, but underfunded teams you don't see a lot of. Brennan Poole, he finished in fifth. Caesar Baccarella, he finished in sixth. Gray Galding, who's always solid in that 08 car on the super speedways, he finished in eighth. Joey Gates in ninth. And everyone's new favorite Xfinity driver, Josh Williams, he finished in 10th place. So this race, it was pretty hectic, especially as we got towards the end with some of these overtime restarts. You had a huge crash with Daniel Hemrick going into turn four. Uh, Sheldon Creed got a run on the inside, and you saw par or, uh, Daniel go to make a very late block, winds up get, getting uh, spun around, sent up into the outside wall. He flips over a lot of hard contact for drivers into that outside wall. It even knocked out the camera in turn four. And this is where one of the topics I wanted to discuss was fans' reactions on, on social media to – Fox, you know, Fox Sports go into commercial right after this wreck as drivers were trying to drive away from it. And a lot of fans were not happy with it, saying, you know, they didn't understand why they were cutting to commercial so quickly, you know, basically complaining, you know, that we didn't see replays or some were saying, you know, if you want to hold off on a replay, fine, but stay on the air so we can get driver updates. My thing on it is I... I'm 100% behind Fox Sports' decision to go to commercial just because with these kind of accents, as serious as it looked, you, you don't know the status of these drivers right away. It can take time. And I would 
I, I don't know what you expect them to do if you're not if you're saying you know we can hold off on a replay till we know for sure. What, what do you want the broadcast team to do? There, there's they all they can do is speculate on what the driver went through in the crash. It's tough to give a breakdown on a crash when you're not seeing the replay in front of you. But also, think back to 2020 with Ryan Newman's major crash at the Daytona 500 where Fox got hammered for just repeatedly showing this replay, and it was obvious something was very serious with Ryan Newman, something serious was going on, and the Fox, they continued showing the replay, interviewing drivers, and, you know, they just got hammered from from fans on their coverage of it. And for them to make the decision, hey, we're going to go the opposite way, we're going to take our time, we're going to step away for a minute, and see what facts we can gather before we start speculating. I applaud them for that decision. That's the smart choice to do in these situations. But then you had fans also complaining when they went to commercial that they're showing, you know, previews or advertisements for Sunday's Cup race, and they're showing clips of all these accidents and how in poor taste that is. Look, NASCAR advertising revolves around three major things in the sport, and that is wrecks wins and fights you know there's so many wrecks you can name that you'll see in an advertisement fights you will always see the 1979 daytona 500 fight shown on advertisements wins you know drivers winning the daytona 500 or winning a championship very special wins in the nascar world is always going to be shown that is what this sports advertisement revolves around so I got no problem with them advertising wrecks for a track like Talladega when that is what these tracks are known for, is their big crashes, their exciting finishes. And if we know the outcome of the wrecks that happened in these past races, I don't see any problem with them showing them in the commercial. And, you know, it's funny, these same, the same fans, some of them that were complaining about NASCAR advertising these crashes – are the same ones who were complaining about the cup race on Sunday with with it being mostly a two-wide race. You weren't seeing your usual three-wide a whole lot. You would see it sometimes, but it was mostly two-wide racing. It was very much a track position, you know, pit strategy, super speedway race, which is out of the norm from what we have seen in years past. But you had fans not happy and saying they would much rather be watching the Xfinity Series race when than this cup race. When just the day before they were complaining about Fox's coverage and how NASCAR was advertising these super speedway crashes and the races, so it didn't make that, that the whole argument didn't make a whole lot of sense to me. I don't know why we just can't say, you know what, great job Fox for deciding to go to commercial during these events before you know finding out the facts before we report on them. And and so leading into Sunday's race, like I said, it was a, it was a side by side action, mostly two wide. We didn't see a lot of three wide racing, but you still had some major crashes. But Kyle Busch he gets the win, his second this year for Richard Childress Racing, and wins it in overtime after Bubba Wallace crashes after getting uh, spun around by Ryan Blaney. Uh, Blaney went on to finish second. And looking at Bubba's move. On the last lap, he was on the outside. You had Kyle Busch on the inside, and Bubba's got the lead. He throws some couple late blocks, especially the last one on Blaney, and that, of course, led to an uproar on, on social media for 
Bubba's reaction when he got to pit road and, you know, drivers throwing blocks and whatnot and some, you know, blaming Blaney, saying he was pushing it too hard. This was just your your classic super speedway racing. These A lot of these big crashes are driver calls. This guy's pushing the limit too far, and especially when it comes to blocking. Now, on this last lap deal, Bubba's in the lead. He's got to do what he can do to hold that position to protect himself to try to stop whatever runs coming and he, he did make some late box and he owned up to it he he said the wrecks were his fault none of it was on blaney but in that situation bubba's doing his job blaney's doing his bubba has to do what he can to protect his lead so he can get, get back around to the start finish line first blaney's got to do whatever he can to to get past bubba now not necessarily spin him out but He's got to take the runs that he can get. And, you know, Bubba made one block too many. Probably should have stuck to the inside in front of Kyle Busch. Blaney didn't have a lot of help on the outside, and Bubba probably would have been okay. But that's hindsight 2020. I I, I don't find fault in either one of the drivers. They were doing what they had to. But ultimately, Kyle Busch, he survives and gets the win. And some solid finishes by... Chase Briscoe, who finished in fourth, this is his third straight top five in that 14 car. So he has really kicked it into high gear at this point in the season. He's definitely looking like the the top Stuart Haas racing car, which is what the team is probably wanting to see with Kevin Harvick getting ready to leave. You know, they're looking for somebody to step up and take that role. And Chase Briscoe is the best bet to do it. Ryan Priest, he's got speed. He's got opportunity. It's just he keeps running into roadblocks on getting the finishes that he deserves and, and should have. But uh, I feel like it'll all come together for Priest, you know, sometime at some point this season. But right now, Briscoe's got the hot hand for Stuart Haas Racing. Brad Keselowski, he finished in fifth. Eric Jones in sixth. And Todd Gilliland, who was running a, a third car for Front Row Motorsports, he finishes in tenth. And they put him in this third car, so Zane Smith, who could be in the 38 car, and Todd Gillen is continuing to to kind of show Front Row Motorsports why he deserves to be in that 38 car full-time from here on out into next year that his spot with the team should not be, you know, question. This is his uh, another top 10 on the year. He's only had one finish in the last six races outside the top 15. So he has definitely been on a roll. He has stepped up his game this year with that team. And I think you're starting to see him kind of solidify his spot with Front Row Motorsports there. You know, they, I saw where they were doing a shirt to celebrate his top 10. And whereas he was driving the 36 car on Sunday on the shirt, it's got him in his usual 38 car. So I think he's, he's starting to really, you know, make a, a solid case for himself to stay with that team. And, you know, what the future holds, I, I don't know. I, I don't know how much longer Michael McDowell will be racing or or with the team i'm pretty sure with with all he has accomplished with front row motorsports it's kind of one of those you can drive here as long as you want to and as long as you're able so with todd gillen's impressive run this year you got to think he his spot should be safe and maybe they open up a third car to try and get zane a a full-time slot next year maybe get him more part-time starts just kind of slowly you know picking up his role to, to become a full-time driver for that team. Uh, also, you had J.J. Yelly. He finished in 11th. And 
one of the, a couple of the big talking points happened towards the end of the race. You had an overtime restart uh, where there was a wreck between R- Ross Chastain, Noah Gregson, and a lot of people were, were quick to throw blame on Ross for this one. Noah, he got bumped up the track by Ross going into the corner with his bump drafting, and so there was a hole there, and Ross went to fill it, and Noah came down. Noah got spun out. That led to a huge crash, which led to major impact for drivers Kyle Larson and Ryan Priest. Um, but before we get to those two drivers, a lot of people, like I said, were quick to, to you know say it's just Ross Chastain being overaggressive as usual. Kind of like the Bubba Wallace-Ryan Blaney deal. Ross, his goal at that point, it, overtime restart, Noah Gregson's, you know, in front of them. They're, you know, battling for the lead with the inside line. When that hole opens up, you have to take it. You, you, you just have to, especially in an overtime restart that late in the race because that is your opportunity to get the lead. You don't know if it's going to happen again. So I, I don't see anything wrong with what either driver, again, much like Ross and, or like Bubba and Blaney, and plus you had Ross getting shoved behind by Larson. So if he lets off the gas to try and let Noah get back into line, which I don't think any driver in the field would do, I don't care if it's Ross Chastain, B.J. McLeod, or you know Zane Smith, they're, they're not going to let that hole get closed up without trying to get to it. But Noah also has to do what he can to keep Ross from getting to his inside. Because if Noah gets to the outside lane, his day's done. He's getting shipped to the back, and Ross is going to charge to the front and and try to battle for the win. But if Ross had decided to let off the gas, to let Noah get back in front of him, Larson's going to run all in the back of him, and then you got Ross most likely getting spun out and and a big wreck still happening. So it's a lose-lose no matter which way you look at it for any of the drivers. Just one of these super speedway racing deals, and it, it's not Ross just being driving over his head and driving over aggressive like he can at times. But the major contact was between Larson and Priest, and this was you know pretty freaky to watch, especially on the replays. Priest just slams into the passenger side door of Larson, and first off with Priest, you know they showed the in car camera, and you see him just getting violently thrown around in this car in the. In, in the driver's seat, he gets shot forward into the, the steering wheel. Looks like he makes contact with the steering wheel. It, you know, if he didn't, he got very close to it. You see his visor gets shot up on his helmet. And like I said, see him getting tossed around. Now, he says he's okay. He was a little sore on Monday, but he's good to go right now. Larson's car, with the, right, with the speed and the power that Priest hit him, it tore that passenger side door just completely apart. You saw the frame rails all bent up and the sheet metal pulled apart. You could see inside the car. And, you know, that's, that's pretty scary. Even though it's not a driver's side impact, if something, some debris would have shot in that car across at Larson, you're looking at a pretty, pretty you know, sketchy situation. And, or if one of those, you know, guardrails comes loose and, and goes across the car. That's no good either. And luckily NASCAR is taking the 41 and the five car to the R&D center to do more research, to look into it. 
And, you know, people were talking about, well, thank God it wasn't a driver's side impact. And that is true because that was a, a serious hit that, that Larson took from Priest. And, and I, I don't want to know what it would have looked like if it was driver's side. Now, the driver's side door is more protected. There's a lot more padding. There's a lot more, you know, safety, I guess you say, uh, safety put in on that side. But I think the takeaway here is NASCAR will go and look at this, and now they got to think about probably adding that same kind of protection on the driver's side over to the passenger side. Because a lot of times we won't learn what something should be in this sport until it's already happened. It's a lot of trial and error, unfortunately, for these drivers and for the sport. Luckily, Larson, he escaped uninjured. You could tell he was a little shook up. In his interview after he got out of the medical center, and, and rightfully so. And, and Priest, he was knocked around as well. Luckily, both drivers, they seemed to come away with, with no major injuries. And, and now NASCAR's got something new to look at to fix on this car because this is something, you know, that just can't be pushed to the side and, and say, well, we'll we'll get it down the road. I think you have to look at ways to fix this as quick as you can, especially before we get ready to go to the next super speedway race, you know, I get at Atlanta. And before we get to Daytona, before we get back to Talladega, you have to look at trying to improve the, the safety there on these cars. Um, uh, and I'm turning it before we get off of this cup race on a positive note, you saw a lot of new blood up front. I mentioned you had Noah Gregson up there battling for the lead. He didn't leave many laps, but he was up there at the front, especially as we got towards the end of the race. You also had Harrison Burton leading a good chunk of the race. He wound up getting spun out by Noah going into turns three and four. They, they ran over the bump, and just as Noah was going to give a push to Burton, and it, it just spun him out. And, and that's a shame because Burton was having a much-needed solid day. That 21 team was having a much-needed solid day. And unfortunately, the results won't show for it, but you got to think that's got to build a little bit of confidence for Harrison who, you know, to put it lightly has definitely been underwhelming in his time with that 21 car. But, you know, maybe this is something they can take away positive from it. They're starting to, to get back to their competitive self, especially on the super speedways. And also you had Ty Gibbs up front who was working a lot with Bubba Wallace. He was the main reason Bubba led so many laps there in stage one. Ty was able to get up front and lead a handful of laps. Now, he did get taken out in a crash as well. But Ty ha has been quietly having a good season. You know, he had that stretch of, you know, ninth, tenth place finishes, and now he's getting up there leading laps in super speedways. So it seems like it's all starting to kind of come together for him. You know, I know he's not making as much noise as he did in the Xfinity Series, but the Cup Series is a whole different animal. But you see it starting to, to click with him. And I know that's something that, that Joe Gibbs and, and that team want to see because, I mean, face it, Ty is the future of that team itself. And the fact that he's having the success and the good runs that he's had this early in the season, it really, you know, is a good sign. And it shows how beneficial those starts were for him last year for 2311 racing. So now we look forward, we got Dover this upcoming weekend, the Monster Mile, where last year on the Xfinity Series side, Josh Berry got the win in an excellent battle with Justin Allgaier. 
you know, and Dover's a solid track for junior motorsports. Can, Can they get this season turned around for them? They had a rough Talladega weekend. They got to be looking to try and get back to their old ways. And I think Dover's going to be a good place, especially for the the top two drivers from last season, Allgaier and Barry. Uh, Sam Mayer, I would look for him. I I just kind of got a little sneaky feeling. I think he can have a solid day at a track like Dover. I think that track will suit him very well this year. And on the Cup Series side, you, you got Chase Elliott, who won last year's race and has had... A pretty good return so far. He's two races into it, but you see him getting stage wins, you know, getting solid finishes, doing exactly what he needs to to start closing up that points gap. But I think this could be the first track where he can have a real chance at getting the win. Talladega's too much of a wild card. He did have a solid race there. Martinsville, short track, even though that's one of his better tracks. It was a, a day where he was more focused on trying to get back in the swing of things. Dover is a track where I think he can get up there and battle for the win. Uh, and this is a strong track for Hendrick Motorsports, just like Junior Motorsports. Hendrick, over the past couple of years, has just been lights out at Dover. You look at the the year before in 2021 when you had Bowman, Larson, Byron, and Elliott all up there in the top four. And, and look, this is a, a good track to you watch Bowman too. Uh, he's very solid at Dover. He's been one of the more consistent drivers for uh, Hendrick Motorsports, even though he hasn't reached victory lane yet this season. And I, I think this could be the spot where he finally breaks through and gets into victory lane. It's going to be an interesting race to see because I think it's going to be a, a Hendrick versus Joe Gibbs racing kind of race because Denny Hamlin and and, the, and and company, they are very good at Dover as well. So this could be a very interesting race weekend where you may see a battle between two teams over supremacy at, at, at Dover. But you're not going to want to miss any of the action. Dover is, is an excellent racetrack. I think it's gotten better over the years. So it's, it's going to be exciting to watch uh, come Saturday and Sunday at, at Dover International Speedway. And that'll wrap up this week's episode. As always, thank you for joining me and listening along. I know this was a much different episode this week than what we're used to. And with the schedule being as tight as it is, we've had to cut it down. There also will be no YouTube video this week. However, I will still be able to get out my fantasy pick short on Thursday. And also, we will be back on YouTube next week to go over all the action from Dover and any news that might break between here and there. So I hope everyone has a wonderful rest of their week. Enjoy this weekend's races, and we will meet back same time next week and go over all the action from Dover.